You're listening to the Black Girls of Purpose podcast, where we talk about faith, friendships, and feature boss women from the Black Girls of Purpose community. I'm your host, Brianna Lightfoot-Smith, founder and CEO of Black Girls of Purpose. So, as you may or may not know, if you've been listening over the past few weeks, we have been doing what I said at the beginning of this episode is our wisdom series. Uh, We started off in the Garden of Eden with Eve and discussed how her desire to seek wisdom apart from the Father caused issues that would echo into eternity, uh, specifically evidenced by a division between God and man, uh, with consequences that have been very long-lasting. Eve's search back then showed a self-reliance that we still struggle with today as human beings. And that really led us to our discussion in the second week about the counterfeit sources where people are seeking wisdom, either apart from God or alongside of him. We saw and discussed that some people are turning to sources such as fortune telling, uh, witchcraft, and interpreting omens. And on the quote unquote less intense or you know less demonic side, at least as they view it, um, people are turning to divination, which we learn includes astrology, tarot cards, and palm reading. Uh, We talked about the reason why people are going to these sources and we boiled it down to three main things. First, that we want gods who are crafted in our image and in our likeness as opposed to being crafted in God's image. Second, we may seek God for wisdom, but during our wait, we grow impatient. Or lastly, we are just simply unaware of the dark forces at work when we look to each other or when we look to other sources such as fortune telling and witchcraft and tarot card reading and even astrology. We ended that specific lesson discussing how as servants of Christ, we must be faithful followers of him, meaning we denounce and renounce any practices that are unlike his and are specifically spoken against in scripture. We actually spent two weeks discussing truths versus lies. And I shared my testimony on how the lies of the enemy led me to battle with suicidal thoughts as a teen but most recently led me to feel guilt and shame over poor financial choices I believed would keep me from getting where God called me to be. I shared how the enemy will often use those same share or those same shame tactics in your life to make sure that you don't share your story, but how sharing your story is crucial because scripture says in the final days that devil will be defeated by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. I ended both I ended both episodes on truth versus lie by extending an invitation for you, our listeners, to join the faith family. And today, as we wrap up this series, I want you to let you know that if you accepted this invitation or if you were a believer before you even started listening, you are a threat to the enemy, which means that over the course of your life and maybe even over the course of just the next few weeks, You may go through some things. I don't say this to discourage you or dissuade you from the faith, but to let you know in advance so that at the first sign of trouble, you don't think you've made some sort of mistake. This new faith relationship or just faith relationships with God in general are much like a marriage. Uh, Many times people get married and because no one warned them about the possibility of hardships, 
when they have their first argument, they start to second guess their decision, thinking maybe the marriage itself is the problem that needs to be fixed. It's the exact same with your faith relationship with God. And I want to let you know the cause is not going to be your covenant. As someone who has decided to live for God, whether for the first time or as a sign of rededication, you now have a target on your back. And because this wage we war is spiritual and not physical, you'll need spiritual weapons in order to strike back. So as we end this wisdom series, we're going to discuss what weaponry you have by sharing what Paul shared with the church in Ephesus and also with you and me in Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. And it reads, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole arm of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand firm, stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all of the saints. So in this passage of scripture, Paul highlights seven things. He highlights the breast, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit. And the seventh piece is something you may have missed, but he talks about praying. What I've seen for myself, especially over these last few weeks, as I prepare for 2019, is that every single piece of this armor is necessary if you're going to fight back against the enemy. So outside of just identifying what the pieces of the armor of God are, I wanted to break them down for you um, because I know when I would read that scripture, I'd be like, okay, but what does that mean? And the way that God helped me to understand this more was by reading Priscilla Shire's book, The Armor of God. I talked about it a few weeks ago, encouraged you to get it in preparation for this study. And while I will be sharing some of the insight that she shares from her book, uh, I want you to know that this is not a sponsored ad or anything. It just is, she is very practical in her knowledge. And I just love um, being able to go in and see, oh, this is how this applies to me. So many times with the Bible, and I think that's why so many people can write it off is they think, oh, it's like this old piece of literature that doesn't have any relevance for today but if you go in and you spend time with it and you ask God for wisdom knowledge understanding and then you get even other pieces of literature to help you with it practically then you'd be surprised at how much power you can receive so let's talk about this first piece of armor the belt of truth 
we have to spend time in the God's word if it's going to pro- provide us with directives. And that's what the belt of truth brings. It brings stability. In the Armor of God book, Priscilla Shire talks about our core and how our core is connected to so many things. If we have a weak core, it can affect our ability to stand for long periods of time. It can affect how much weight we can carry. And I know that especially as a a pregnant lady, uh, because I can't really strengthen my core too much. I have back pains. I can't stand for long periods of time. Uh, I have foot pain periodically. And so she shares how having the belt of truth is, 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 is like securing our core. It's making sure that we can stand under the weight of different things. Um, especially in this age where everyone is spiritual. We talked about this a few weeks ago, spiritual, but not religious. You're going to be faced with a lot of different opinions on what is right and wrong. What's truth versus lie. What's wisdom versus, you know, foolishness. And if you don't have the belt of truth to discern between the good thing and the God thing or the right versus the almost right, then you are opening yourself up for spiritual attack. One thing I love about the belt of truth, and it's something that Priscilla Shire points out in this book as well, is how in Roman times, their armor, the belt was almost like a girdle and it kept other pieces of their armor attached to their body so that their hands could be free to fight. Um, What I also loved is that besides keeping their hands free, it made sure that their, because sometimes they had on things that looked almost kind of like kilts, and they could kind of put their, like, pull their kilt up into their belt so it could be secure and not be dangling around their feet. And when I read that part, It really stuck out to me because I was thinking about how if I don't know what God's word says about a particular topic, when someone comes to me and says like, oh, Brie, it's perfectly okay for you to drink or for you to have sex before you're married. And I'm like, oh, really? Okay, like, cool. (laughs) And, And I'm and then I end up stumbling, not realizing that God says, no, you're not supposed to do that. Avoid it every Every uh, even the appearance of evil, which we talked about a few weeks ago as well. And um, it ties in with the counterfeit versus real lesson we did in the second week, because you're going to have a lot of things that appear to be real. And the only way you're going to be able to verify their truth or their realness or their however you would put that is is by running them under the light of the word of God Uh, God convicted me a few weeks ago may have been even just last week about an opportunity that I was presented and it seemed like a really great thing but I didn't run it under the truth of his word and so he told me gave me first John four and one, which says, do not be leave every spirit, but test every spirit to see if it is from God. And he gave me John seven twenty four, which said, stop judging according to outward appearances, rather judge according to righteous judgment. 
And only God is the one who can declare righteousness from unrighteousness and who can be able to help us discern those things, especially if we're new to our faith and are really kind of trying to navigate this belt of truth thing. When I was writing this lesson, God uh, kind of made me laugh because when it comes to truth, he, he the thing he brought to me, he was like, show me the car facts. Scripture says that we will know a person by their fruit and um, we have to use our ability to discern between sound doctrine and not wise doctrine. We also have to be able to see is the conduct and the fruit of the light of this person something that aligns with what God's word tells me. If it's not, then you have to ask yourself, are they someone I should be following? And I was wondering what would have happened if Eve had asked that question, if she had run back to God and said, hey, Lord, so I have this serpent here and he's saying that it's okay to eat of that tree. What do you say? Then God would have been able to say, no, I told you it's not okay to eat of the tree. And then she may, she may have even said, but he says it's fine if I eat it, I'll just be more like you. And God had been like, no, you're not going to be like me. You're going to die. But she didn't do any verifying. And so that's what the belt of truth does practically. It allows you to run anything that you may encounter in this world um, under like a black light almost where you can see the differences between the real and the counterfeit. It makes me think of uh, something my husband and I were talking about a few weeks ago with his some shoes that he had purchased and he said that he knew they weren't real because they didn't have some of the same details as the real ones things that were so minute y'all things like ink color or um excess glue on the shoes those types of things and first I remember being flabbergasted at the fact that somebody would put so much effort in to create some fake shoes um, but second, I thought about how these changes were so minute and because he had studied the shoes, he knew, okay, these aren't real. But if you showed them to me, I'd have been like, oh, great. You got me some new Nikes. Like, let's keep it pushing. But he'd done his homework. So he was able to say, oh, no, that's not the real thing. And that's what we have to do as followers of Christ. We have to know the truth of God's word so that we can stand against the lies of the enemy. The next piece of armor is the breastplate of righteousness. Um, there are a few different types of righteousness that Priscilla Shire talks about in the Armor of God book, but I want to focus specifically on imputed righteousness and practical righteousness. Um, imputed righteousness is the righteousness that we receive like as a result of the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross for our sins. So that means that when God looks down from heaven, he doesn't see our sins. He sees his son's righteousness. Practical righteousness is our part of the equation. It is us choosing to put off things like lying, being angry, stealing, uh, giving in to greed, foul language, bitterness, wrath, shouting, sexual immorality, 
crude joking and idolatry, which has been central to this series. The word speaks specifically against these things in scriptures like Ephesians 4, 25 through 31 and Ephesians 5, 3 through 5. In her book, um, Priscilla Shire also says that practical righteousness is a moment by moment, day by day, repeated choice and action. You do it again and again. And for this, for that's why it's so important for me to spend time with God first thing in the morning. He aligns my heart and aligns my day. I know that there have been times this year where maybe I was just super sleepy. So I was like, okay, I'm going to just sleep in just like a little bit longer. And I'll be sleeping in maybe seven o'clock. So I'm like, okay, I'm just going to sleep in. And I get up and I'm like, okay, God, great. I'm up. Now I'm going to have my quiet time with you. And I may get 15 minutes before Jaden wakes up. So then Jaden wakes up, and because I didn't get my quiet time with God, then I'm all anxious, and then Jordan's up, and I'm just like, no, wait, no, I can't have this. And I noticed in those times, I'm shorter with Jaden, probably, I'm shorter with my husband, um, because I didn't take the necessary steps to really put on that breastplate of righteousness. And I feel like the only way you know even what righteousness is, is by spending time in God's word and making sure that your ways align with his. It's important to know that if you've accepted Christ as your savior, then you have the breastplate of righteousness. Uh, you just have to choose to walk in it. If we think of truth as a knowledge, if we think of the belt of truth as knowledge, then I'd say that righteousness is equated to wisdom. So the truth is what we know with our minds and the righteousness is what we do with our actions, if that makes sense. It's really important to put on the breastplate of righteousness because that's what keeps our lines of communication open with God. We're going to talk about this at the end of the lesson, but scripture speaks on how sin can cause division from God. It can cause us to fall away from him and I know a practical way is that there have been times when I haven't been living righteously in a particular area. And so it affects my fellowship with God. I'm not able to talk to him. And if I don't know, if I don't even say like, God, hey, is there anything in me that needs to be taken out? Then I may just think that God's turned his back on me. And then from there, I'm like, okay, well, if he's not talking to me, I'm not talking to him. And then that's when I go out and I do my own thing. Next up are the shoes of peace. Uh, peace, as it's used in the Bible, is the Hebrew word shalom, which does not mean the absence of chaos, but a deeply entrenched sense of harmony, health, and wholeness in the midst of chaos. It's easy to have peace when there aren't any problems, but I think the biggest test for your peace is to see how you react when you're encountering something you weren't expecting. I can apply this to our finances, which I talked about in depth last week. Prior to last week, um, and, and especially throughout this year, money has been a huge source of anxiety for me. Even when God was providing because we, uh, my husband and I are self-employed, it's just like, okay, but I felt like I was always hustling. Like, okay, I have a client now, but like, what about tomorrow? And in these last few weeks of 2018, God has just gotten me to a place 
<laughs> applying Matthew 6, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow, worry about itself. Sufficient for each day is its own trouble. And I shared that at the beginning of this episode. I feel like that even forms why I'm my tone is how it is this week is that I've just been filled with God's peace that where I have spent so much of this year crippled by fear and anxiety, um, I'm going into 2019 just full of whatever, just full of hope and perseverance and readiness for what God has for me. Um, scripture says in Philippians 4, 6 through 7, don't be anxious for anything, but with thanksgiving in your hearts, make your requests known to, unto God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. What I think is really uh, awesome, and Priscilla Shire points this out in her book as well, is that God links the cure to anxiety and, and the the way to get peace to thanksgiving. He's like, okay, are you anxious about something? He starts with the thanksgiving. He doesn't say, make your request known and then give me some thanks. And then the peace will which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds of Christ Jesus. He says, with thanksgiving in your heart. So you come to him saying, even if you know what you're trying to get to ultimately, you're like, you spend enough time at his feet to think, dang God, you have really blessed me. And that's where I've been uh, these past few weeks. It's just recognizing like, God, you know, we've been blessed to come here to Texas to spend all this time with family. We haven't had to constantly look over our shoulder for when the next bill's coming. We've been able to plan more strategically. I have a doctor, so I I don't have to worry about having a baby in a field somewhere or something. Like, he has really blessed me. But the enemy always loves to point out that one thing we feel like we're lacking, the one area where we feel like we're struggling. And I shared last week how he tried to do that with our money. But because I was open about my experience, I feel like it was like, okay, well, now what, bro? Because I know God's going to still use that for his glory. I've seen my husband is grateful for so little. And I think it explains his peace that, you know, I can make him like eggs for breakfast and he's just like, thanks, babe. Like, he really appreciates it. It doesn't have to be this complicated thing. And I want it to be the same thing with God and me. That he's like, really? You're worshiping me for this? Like, well, shoot, wait till you see what I have for you next week. And not because I want to get more out of him, just but because, just because I want to show him I'm content with everything that he's given me. And that his presence in and of itself is enough for me. Another way that we see peace manifested in the Bible um, honestly comes from applying that breastplate of righteousness and, and living according to God's will daily. As scripture says in Psalm 119, 165, abundant peace belongs to those who love your instruction. Nothing makes them stumble. And I love how each piece of the armor is like building on itself, right? So, if you think of the belt of truth as maybe a book of rules your parents gave you before they left for a trip, then your breastplate of righteousness is the decision you make to follow those rules that they set. 
And as a result, you experience peace because you know they won't catch you messing up on any particular thing on that list. Without following those directives, which again, we're comparing to the belt of truth and choosing to walk in righteousness, you are constantly looking over your shoulder, waiting to be reprimanded for your decision. And that gives way to anxiousness. So if you know that you're living rightly before God, then you also have peace because you're like, Lord, there's nothing in this situation that you've that is being caused by me. Do you know what I mean? Like it kind of ties into that scripture we talked about last week in Romans eight thirty three. who can bring an accusation against God's elect. If you know that you are abiding in God's word and you're following his will daily, then you have peace. You don't have to have anxiety about anything. And not only are you able to have that peace, but you're able to go out and share the good news, which is what the gospel brings. That's what the gospel literally means is good news. And in this world where people are struggling, where they are looking to different sources for wisdom and insight, you having peace is going to make you stand out head and shoulders above anybody because they're going to look at the news and you know, even this recent government shutdown, they're going to look at that. They're going to look at uh, the state of our economy. They're going to look at the fact that we're constantly having these mass shootings and just be freaking out or filled with anxiety or filled with sadness. And if you're in your workplace and you have peace, there's going to be an opportunity for you to be able to share that peace with them and say, oh, well, this is why. I believe what I believe, because even in the midst of these situations, even in the midst of going back to the definition, chaos, I have harmony, health and and wholeness, because I know what God has told me. And I know this is not my final destination. And I know the plan God has for me. We talked about that too, Jeremiah 29, 11, like, Whenever you put on your shoes of peace, trust there will be so many gospel sharing opportunities. So the next piece of armor is the shield of faith. Um, One of the biggest things I got when I did this Bible study was that faith moves forward. Faith is not a stagnant thing. Faith moves forward. And in her book, uh, Priscilla Shire talks about the Roman soldiers and how um, their shields were actually like there were you could put you could hook them to each other and so they could have this long line of men with these shields and they would move forward against the enemy because scripture says that the reason why we have the shield of faith is to extinguish the flaming arrows of the enemy so what are the flaming arrows Flaming arrows can be anything that distract you from your calling or from this faith leap that you're taking that may be, uh, it may manifest itself physically or emotionally, whether that is anxiety, uh, sickness, problems with family, maybe anger that you're feeling all of a sudden, or worry. Um, in spite of these 
distractions, we have to choose to move forward because we're told that faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So if you're going based solely off of what you see, then you're falling for those flaming arrows of the enemy. You're being distracted from your calling. But if you say, I'm going to link up with my brother and my sister on my right and my left and move forward with the vision that God has given me, then there's nothing you can't do. Like you can extinguish every flaming arrow of the enemy. And I remember one day um, I was going to this, I don't know what you would call it, like a book pitch competition type thing. And I had gone back and forth about whether or not to go. And so as I was driving, I noticed my car started acting funny. And I was only like a block up from my house. So I just turned around and went back to the house. And I got out of the car, told my told, told my mom, my husband, I was like, yeah, my car is driving funny. And they pointed out there like, you have a flat tire. I was like, oh, my gosh, I have a flat tire. duh. And so I pointed and I said, flaming arrow. And I kept going <laughs> like, you know, I don't. When you're spiritually aware, which only comes through praying and you have to do it daily, it can't just be a, oh, I prayed in January, so I should be good for the rest of 2018. Only by spending time with God are you going to have that spiritual awareness that says, oh, wait, this is an attack from the enemy. Because otherwise, I'd just be like, oh, my gosh, I don't have time for this. Like, we don't have money for attire, all these different things. But I just said flame arrow and I kept it pushing, got my husband's keys, took his car to the event and it was a blessed event. And I, I I knew it was where I was supposed to be. And so if you're, you have that spiritual awareness, then not only do you have what you need to defeat the enemy, but you can also sometimes take that as a sign of like, oh, I must be doing something right because he's trying to keep me from going forward with whatever this ministry is, whatever this calling is, whatever this business is. And I'm not going to let him distract me. I want you to know, y'all, as you grow in your faith, you're going to sometimes be required to take the first step. Uh, And it makes me think of the difference between the Red Sea experience when uh, Moses delivered the Israelites from Egypt and how God parted the water after Moses put his um, staff in it. But then if you fast forward, God takes that same people group, technically their descendants, and they have to go across the Jordan River to claim the promised land. And he actually tells them to take the first step. He says to to step into the river and then the water will dry up around them. And I think that that I've always found that so interesting because it just shows that there should be some level of maturity. And. Some of y'all, as you're ending this year, you may be in a season where you're like, okay, I'm not really sure what I should be doing. Before, God will give me a lightning bolt and say, hey, this is the way you should go. But now I feel like he's not telling me anything. And that's not indication that you're going the wrong way. Sometimes he's just like, I need you to take the first step and then I'll tell you where you should be going. And I talked about that um, in our fearless series in the episode what to do when you don't know what to do I said how a GPS only gives you directions when you're moving if you're sitting still it doesn't tell you anything and sometimes it's going to be the same way with you and God he's like hey you're not getting instructions because you haven't made a move towards me 
I need you to make a move towards me because that shows me that you trust me. And then I'll trust you with the instructions on what to do next for this particular thing. I know that um, we talked about this whole faith piece because that's the basis of everything. You have, you, if we're choosing to believe God is God, if we're choosing to believe that he sent his son to die on the cross for our sins so that we might be saved, that he rose his son on the third day, that that's the foundation of our faith, then we have to also believe that he is trustworthy. Psalm 19.7 says, the instruction of the Lord is perfect, renewing one's life. The testimony of the Lord is trustworthy, making the inexperienced wise. And if that's the truth you choose to stand upon every day, then even when things look uncertain, even when he tells you to quit that job where you're making a lot of money, even when he tells you to have a baby when you weren't planning on having a baby anytime in the foreseeable future, even when he tells you to break up with that guy that you were for sure thinking was your husband, no matter what happens, you can trust him. And you take those faith leaps again and again. And every time you do, the enemy loses power over you. And he, he, does, he always comes back. But in that particular instance, he's like, well, I guess I'll have to try another time. And he kind of gives up on it. So we've got three pieces of armor left. Next is the helmet of salvation. I've equate the helmet of salvation to knowing where you stand with Christ um, and what he did for you, how he died for your sins. I think that the reason why Paul links this to a helmet is because if you know who you are in Christ, if you know what he did for you, then it guards your thinking and it really equips you for your day-to-day living. Scripture says in Romans 8, 1, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So if I know that, then the enemy can't say anything bad about me. And it ties into what we were talking about last week. If I take what the enemy has tried to use as a point of shame and share it for God's glory, because I know like, okay, well, greater is he who's in me than he who's in the world, then I don't have to worry about him catching me slipping. I get to know that I'm sanctified through the renewing of my mind. And that allows me to never get to a place spiritually where I'm just going to claim defeat. I used to use Paul's words uh, in scripture when he would say, every time I want to do right, evil is present with me. I used to use that as an excuse for sinning. And it showed that I didn't have a full understanding of God's word because I was bypassing James 1 and 13. It says no one undergoing a trial should say I am being tempted by God for God is not tempted by evil and he himself does not tempt anyone. Instead, verse 14 says each person is tempted when he is drawn away and enticed by his own desires. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when full, sin is fully grown, it gives birth to death. Now, we see this manifested in the Garden of Eden, and we reviewed it several times over the past few weeks. Eve was tempted by her desire for wisdom, and it led to the death of her close fellowship with God and the fellowship of all those who one day would come to believe. Instead of referring to ourselves as sinners, we need to take on a new identity. If we believe that God sent his son to die on the cross for our sins so that we could be set free, then it should be indicated by the way that we're living. 
In Romans 5, the message translation of the Bible describes the act of salvation in this way. It says he, talking about Jesus, presented himself for this sacrificial death when we were far too weak and rebellious to do anything to get ourselves ready. And even if we hadn't been so weak, we wouldn't have known what to do anyway. We can understand someone dying for a person worth dying for. And we can understand how someone good and noble could inspire us to selfless sacrifice. But God put his life, his love on the line for us by offering his son in sacrificial death while we were of no use whatever to him. In other translations of that scripture says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So yes, you were a sinner, but you've been saved by grace. And that means that in God's eyes, you can be looked at as a saint, not because of your action, but because of the sacrifice that he made. I just don't, not I don't understand, but it, we should be compelled to live for him in exchange. Romans 6, 1 through 14 says, so what do we do? Keep on sinning so God can keep on forgiving? I should hope not. If we've left the country where sin is sovereign, how can we still live in our old house there? Or didn't you realize we packed up and left there for good? This is what happened in baptism. We went under the water. We left the old country of sin behind. When we came out out of the water, we entered into the new country of grace, a new life and a new land. 6 through 11 reads, could it be any clearer? Our old way of life was nailed to the cross with Christ, a decisive end to that sin miserable life. No longer at sin's every beck and call. What we believe is this. If we get included in Christ's sin-conquering death, we also get included in his life-saving resurrection. We know that when Jesus was raised from the dead, it was a signal of the end of death as the end. Never again will death have the last word. When Jesus died, he took sin down with him, but alive he brings God down to us. From now on, think of it this way. Sin speaks a dead language that means nothing to you. God speaks your mother tongue and you hang on every word. You are dead to sin and alive to God. That means you must not give give sin a vote in the way that you conduct your lives. Don't give it the time of day. Don't even run little errands that are connected with that old way of life. Throw yourselves wholeheartedly and full time. Remember you've been raised from the dead into God's way of doing things. Sin can't tell you how to live. After all, you're not living under that old tyranny any longer. You're living in the freedom of God. And we walk in that freedom by practicing Romans 12 and 2. Do not conform yourselves to the standards of this world, but let God transform you inwardly by a complete change of your mind. Then you will be able to know the will of God, what is good and is pleasing to him and is perfect. And that's why I tie it back to spending quiet time with him in the morning, taking up his word to see what it says about your identity. And then saying, God, renew a right mind in me that I, I know that, as Paul says, when I want to do good, evil is present with me, but I'm choosing not to have that as my reality. I'm choosing to believe that I can be renewed in my mind and I can look more and more like you each day. Philippians 4 and 8, which we talked about a few weeks ago, says whatever is true, honorable, just, pure, and lovely is worth our meditating. So if you fill your mind with thoughts of God and his ways, then it becomes a lot easier to keep that helmet secure uh, as you walk through this life from day to day. 
Now, I want you to know something that the enemy doesn't want you to know, and that is you can stand in the truth of who you are in God. Uh, He is crazy about you more than what you would believe. And I didn't want you to just take my word from it for it. I wanted you to hear from scripture directly. Scripture says, now this is what the Lord says, the one who created you, Jacob, and the one who formed you, Israel. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you, have called you by name, you are mine. I will be with you when you pass through the waters, and when you pass through the rivers, they will not overwhelm you. You will not be scorched when you walk through the fire, and the flame will not burn you. For I, Yahweh, your God, the Holy One of Israel, and your Savior, give Egypt as a ransom for you, Cushion Seba in your place. Because you are precious in my sight and honored and I love you, I will give people in exchange for you and nations instead of your life. When I think of that scripture, even though uh, God is talking to the Israelites specifically, when he talks about, I will give people in exchange for you and nations instead of your life, it makes me think of the sacrifice he gave through Jesus. He gave his son in exchange for us. And that's a marvelous thing. And it should be able to guard your way of thinking that when the enemy tries to come in with his lies, which we know he's going to do because we talked about that over the past few weeks, you can say, God is crazy about me. And that's not how God views me. And that's what's going to give you the strength you need. Even in times when you may give into temptation, you're going to be able to say, okay, but my actions don't define me in that if I repent of my sin, scripture says that God is faithful and just to forgive my sin and cleanse me of all unrighteousness. And I I talked about this earlier, but sin can cause so much division between us and God. It can cause us to fall away from him because it breaks fellowship first. And then that causes us to think, okay, well, God doesn't care about me because I'm praying about this. I'm not hearing from him, not understanding that we actually did something to cause a break in that relationship. I feel like you understanding the truth of who you are in Christ, of the reality of your salvation is foundational for your well-being. I shared in that first truth versus lie episode that believing the enemy's lies about me led me to have thoughts of suicide as a teen. So it's really a life or death matter when you choose whether or not you will live as someone who is free from sin or if you're going to continue to submit to a yoke of slavery. Scripture says in Romans eight fifteen through 17, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children. And if children also heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, seeing that we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. And I love what it says down in verse 31 of Romans 8. It says, what then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He did not even spare his own son, but offered him up for us all. How will he not also with him grant us everything? You may have noticed by now that I've used more scripture in this podcast than in any previous podcast series, but I had to, one, because of the depth of the subject matters that we've been discussing, and two, because of all these verses and how they point to our final piece of what physical weaponry 
Going back to Ephesians 6, Paul says to take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. This is key. This sword of the spirit is the only offensive weapons that we use against the enemy. And it's what Jesus himself used to defeat Satan when he was tempted in Matthew 4. The kicker is you can only use the word of God if you know it. And you can only know it if you do what Paul says. You take it up. It does no good lying on your nightstand. And that's not any shade or any tea, as my friend Allie would say. It's just a simple reality. Sometimes I think that because we own a Bible, we think, oh, we're doing good. It's okay. And we let time slip by without us actually reading. Or what sometimes I think is worse is that we allow others to do our Bible reading. So you may listen to this podcast and be like, okay, yeah, cool. I heard a ton of scripture today. But when you read scripture for yourself, God brings a different level of revelation and he brings it, it brings a different level of intimacy. So we have to be sure to take up the word of God ourselves and we have to do it daily. Going back to this entire, how this entire series started, I believe if Eve knew the word of God for herself, instead of relying on what the enemy said, then we would not be where we are today. That if she said, God, did you really say that we wouldn't die? He could have provided that clarity. And that ties back into the belt of truth, which is the first armor piece. We have to pick up the word of God. And by reading the word of God, we're able to know truth from lies. Then after reading the word of God, we're able to apply the word of God. And that's the breastplate of righteousness that we get. That we can avoid any kind of deception and also any kind of distance between us and God because we know that we're living in right standing with him. We can put on our shoes of peace, which come from us making the decision not to be anxious about anything, but pray about everything. We can take up our shield of faith by walking in the calling that God has given us daily We put on our helmet of salvation by reminding ourselves of our identity in Christ and the sacrifice that he made for our sins. And then we take up this sword of the spirit. That is our one offensive weapon. And if we don't do anything else, we must pray. But it's important for you to see that all of these pieces are necessary if you're going to be able to fight back against the enemy. But remember that the war, the war that we're waging is not a physical thing. Scripture says in Ephesians six twelve, which was our opening, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Prayer makes us more aware of the enemy's schemes, and it gives us a place to speak God's word over our life and faith thereby activating every armor of God peace. With that awareness, we can move forward knowing what scripture says in Romans eight thirty-eight through 39. Not either in death or life, angels or rulers, things present or things to come, hostile powers, height or depth, or any created thing will have the power to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I want you to know that no matter what you have been through in 2018, 
that you are fighting from victory. And no matter what happens in the days ahead, by God's strength, (laughs) you have everything you need. And I'm not even sure why I'm getting emotional. Um, Maybe it's it being the last episode of 2018. But I can say personally that um, this year the enemy has really played with me. He has uh, beat me up. And it's been crippling uh I was reading my journal and I had I wrote down I said the enemy has me convinced that safe is the new sexy and I don't know where you are today spiritually I don't know if you have accepted Christ as your savior um either previously or over the past few weeks but what I do know is that God loves you so much that he had me share this message with you uh, for this last day of 2018 and my prayer is that it will empower you and equip you to do the work of the ministry I want to close out in prayer as we look to 2019 so I just hope that you will uh, just Bear with me for a few more moments. I know that this has been a longer episode, but I hope it's been edifying. Dear Lord, thank you for this day, God. Thank you for, as the old people say, being God all by yourself. Thank you for your redemption, Lord God, for your love, for your sacrifice for us, Lord. Thank you that you did not leave us powerless. Um, against the schemes of the enemy that you have given us a whole armor that we can put on but we have to choose to put it on and put it on daily god right now i pray for every sister and brother who may be listening to this podcast this evening this morning this afternoon whenever they're listening i pray that something in this message stuck with them um, that something was edifying You know that we have battled to finish this thing. And I just pray, God, that it was worth it, Lord. If there's one person who's impacted by this, then we were able to do the work of the ministry. God, I pray as we go into 2019 that we would do so with a spiritual awareness unlike that of which we've ever seen. That we would go free of the baggage from 2018, Lord. Free of any hurt or any guilt or any shame or any pain that we have experienced previously. God, I pray that we would be sensitive to your Holy Spirit, that we would follow your lead, that we would know who we are in you, Lord God, and that that would dictate how we live daily. I pray against the lies of the enemy. I pray uh, against and denounce any counterfeit sources for wisdom which we've done over which we've talked about over the past few weeks and I pray Lord God that our hearts would be sold out to you Lord that we would be all you've called us to be that in moments when we see the flaming arrows of the enemy we would take that as confirmation that we are following your lead and Lord lastly I just want to pray for anyone who's mourning as they in 2018 Uh, Whether it be mourning a person uh, or mourning hopes and dreams, hopes of being married, having a child, 
um, starting a business, getting their 501c3, uh, whatever it may be, God, I pray that the lack of physical things they can see would not dictate their belief that they would still decide to serve you, Lord, and still deem you as trustworthy. Lord, I just thank you so much for everything you've done for us and all you'll continue to do in the days ahead. Ask all these things in Jesus' precious name. Hey, Purpose Peeps, before I let you go for the week, I wanted to just take a moment and thank you so much again for being a part of our community You all have blessed me tremendously, um, more than you could believe, just by listening, by seeing that anyone is tuning in week after week. It holds me accountable. It, It keeps me going. And I pray that you have been blessed by this wisdom series. Please know that I have been praying for you over the past few weeks. I'm going to continue praying for you over the next few weeks. And I just pray that Uh, God's blessings would just rain upon you exceedingly and abundantly above all you could ask or think. But that even in moments when it seems like your faith is being tested, that you would endure and that you would believe. And I'm saying that not as someone from a big lofty position, but someone who is having to live in that reality daily, that even when it doesn't look like what I expect, I say, God, I trust you. I'll serve you. I'll go where you lead. And so I don't know where you find yourself on this last day of 2018, but I pray that wherever it is, you would um, just be willing to give God a chance and be willing to allow him to write your story. Uh, Because if you do, it'll blow your mind in more ways than you think. Well, that's all for this week. Stay tuned into the Black Girls of Purpose community by visiting blackgirlsofpurpose.org slash join. And I'll see you in 2019. It's never that easy to choose purpose. But I would die to my flesh, live a life of worship. I'm really, really, really trying to make it into heaven. I'm trying to him say two words like, well done, I'm, I'm, I'm.